I have an announcement. Your grandmother is on the line. My nana? And as we speak, she's generously writing PBS a check for $1,500. She can't do that. She's on a very fixed income. Stop the show! Well, I don't want to be a secondary character. Hello. <laughs> hello. I like uh, Uncle Leo's gentle hello when he comes backstage at the PBS fundraiser. He goes, hello. Yeah. It's a bit more low key. It is. And I love his performance right at the end when he goes, start the show. Start She's on the a very show. fixed income. She's on a very fixed income. I <laughs> love it. Welcome to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. We're a Seinfeld podcast out of Melbourne, Australia. Every week we take a random Seinfeld episode and examine the secondary characters from it. And uh, in case it wasn't obvious already, we are doing season six, episode three, The Pledge Drive. Yes, we are. A very, very funny episode and uh, very well written, I think, and uh, very good performances all around. I, I quite enjoyed this one a lot. Lots of secondaries as well. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, the rarely seen grandmother of Seinfeld, Nana. Nana, uh, she's yes. credited. Mm-hmm. Uncle Leo, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll also be talking about Justin Pitt, uh, Elaine's boss, uh, Noreen and Dan, the couple who sound the same but are very different people. This is Dan. <laughs> this is Dan. Kristen, uh, and a couple of notes I've got uh, on Danny Tartable. He's a real life Yankees player. Yes. Um, who is a victim of. George's anger, his road rage, <laughs> yep. and a couple of notes I have as well on uh, the banker who uh, is very polite and very smooth. Yeah, very good, very good. And uh, I've got a bit of uh, info about Mr. Morgan as well. He's in the episode. Yeah. Uh, but not much. I mean, you just see him start, you know, he's George is cutting his dessert and he's wondering what that is and uh, it catches on in the Yankees. Yeah. And yeah. then it sort of spreads like wildfire all through New York. Yeah. It becomes like a meme of sorts. Yes, that's right. <laughs> if you uh, eat your Snickers with a knife and fork, uh, let us know. You can email us bidwithaspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can can say hello on all forms of social media twitty 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 twitter twitty it's a new form it uh, is. we've just invented it we have twitter instagram facebook and reddit uh you can listen to all of our previous episodes on any podcast app you choose and if you want to help us out it would be awesome if you'd rated us or reviewed us uh, it really helps with visibility and spreading the word and you can support us financially too yes one-off payments to paypal if you're so inclined if you think we're worthy of some dollars in these very tough economic times or you can go to patreon patreon.com forward slash b-i-d-w-b-a-s-c and get access to this episode earlier than everyone else as well as our bonus podcasts Curbcast that's about Curb Your Enthusiasm and Season 11 an original Seinfeld series by us that's right we are just over halfway through Season 3 of Curbcast at the moment and uh, we're about halfway through Season 11 of our fictional Seinfeld podcast but uh, we'll be finishing that off either later this year or early next year so uh, yeah sign up to check all those episodes out finally we do have the biggest Seinfeld community online all over the world anywhere uh, Seinfeldisms Uh, it's a Facebook group we've got about 102,500 members so uh, check that out on Facebook if you want to join the fun. And it's even bigger than groups on Twitty. It is, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to use Twitty to, to grow the biggest group. Yes. I'm going to promote right. Twitty to Facebook and then it'll something crazy will it'll happen. It'll become Twitbook. Twitbook. Yes. <laughs> well, it is kind of Twitbook. There are a lot of twits on there. <laughs> there sure are. <laughs> Not in the Seinfeld community. You're all awesome. But uh, anyone outside the Seinfeld community, all those friends people, you're all twits. Yeah, everyone on Seinfeldisms is um, is dateable. Yep. You know, 95% of the world's undateable. Everyone yeah. in Seinfeldisms is dateable. Yeah, basically Seinfeld Seinfeldisms is the 5%. It is, yeah. 5% yeah. of the population. <laughs> the 5%. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook, at least. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> uh, speaking of Seinfeldisms, every week we talk about any uh, interaction of Seinfeld and real life that have happened during the last week. Anything for you? No, unfortunately not this week, I'm afraid. A second in a row with nothing. Yeah. My Seinfeldisms week was uh, not very exciting. I only have one. Auntie Donna, they're an Australian comedy trio, maybe, or quadro. Is that a is that a thing? Duo, yeah, trio, I think so. quadro. They have a Netflix 
Netflix special, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So in one of their episodes, it's a it's a Netflix series. Oh, it's a series. I think yeah. it's like six or eight episodes. It's a, sh- it's a short series. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But uh, in uh, I walked into the room the other day, and my partner was watching it, and I stood and watched it for five or ten minutes. Uh, and purely by excellent coincidence, uh, they made a Seinfeld reference in that five or ten minutes that I watched the show. Oh, so perfect. Don't know what episode. Can't even remember the context, but I just made a, a mental note: Seinfeld wow. reference, Seinfeldism. That's it. Your Seinfeld senses kicked in. I think so. Oh yeah. My God, you just have like this sixth sense. Yeah, it's it's almost like a what do they call it in Minority Report? Precognition. Precognition. You yes. know, like I can instead of being able to predict crimes and being like by being like a creepy <laughs> pale woman in a in a water tank, mm. I just. You know, I'm a fat, chubby dude who predicts Seinfeld stuff. So. <laughs> you're not chubby. You look good, mate. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you're about to say, you're not white. <laughs> no, you're not white. <laughs> you're calling me fat. <laughs> you're a person of colour. Yeah. <laughs> I am not. No, you're not. You're <laughs> just two straight white men. Yes. Perfect demographic for Seinfeld. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Seinfeld news. Uh, a couple of things to talk about this week. First one, uh, a sad note. Another another passing. <gasps> no. Who this time? Uh, not an actor or an actress on Seinfeld. Seinfeld, but a director by the name of Art Wolf, and he actually directed the very first Seinfeld episode, the pilot, Good News, wow, Bad News. Wow, that name does sound very familiar. Okay, yeah. he did do uh, Good News, Bad News. He did, oh, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so Art has quite a prolific career. He has worked on the Tracy Ullman show, obviously Seinfeld, uh, the Paula Poundstone show, Gary Shandling show, and uh, he's also done uh, work as an acting coach, and he's credited with being the dialect coach for Dakota Fanning in I Am Sam, which oh. I believe uh, she may have been nominated or have won an Oscar for. Oh. I might have maybe nominated, but yeah, yeah. okay, wow, okay, yeah. Great. So he's so he's quite uh his his skills were quite broad and uh, his impact was quite large. So uh, R.I.P. Art. Yeah, yeah, R.I.P. Man, jeez, what a what a phenomenal career he's had. I know, yeah. and uh, obviously, you know, for for us, his most uh, important work was uh, setting up or directing the first episode of Seinfeld. And you know, if it wasn't for him, in a way, we wouldn't be here. Yeah, and also, you know, with all the shit that this show went through the first couple of seasons to become an established part of the NBC lineup, I mean, Art Wolf was there, and he. Probably championed the show from the very start. It'd be interesting to see if uh, if they kept him on as a director past the pilot. You know what the tone of the show would have been like because you can notice a big difference between the pilot. I mean, pilots are always different to the regular series anyway. Of course, but even in the tone, the way it's edited, the script, there's a lot of differences. You know, even in the set design. So it would have been interesting if you know the show would have looked or felt different mm. if uh, if they kept him on as a regular director after yeah. the pilot. But would it have gone as long as it did? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Maybe it was good that he just did the one episode and others took over. But and then Tom Sharona's, you know, basically laid the groundwork and made it what it is. And Andy Ackman came in and uh, yeah. made it a bit wackier. Yeah. So, uh, you know, greats building on top of greats. Mm, indeed. Second bit of news is a bit of an obscure one, but uh, I thought I'd flesh out Seinfeld news because it was a bit of a thin week. Uh, Larry David's daughter, uh, Cassie David, she put out a, I guess you would call it a teaser essay. She's releasing a new book, I believe next month or maybe in January. And the essay is basically going to be one of the chapters or part of one of the chapters for her book. And I think the idea, what I, I couldn't get a lot of information about the book, but what I could glean was that it was almost going to be kind of like Larry David's neuroticisms, but in essay form. Oh, right. But, but from her perspective, being a 20-something young woman yeah. in, uh, in in sort of the entertainment industry and just all the obsessive, compulsive, weird thoughts that she has, a la Larry David. So I think she's kind oh, of, cool. you know, kicking on the David legacy of, you know, obsessive, compulsive, weird thoughts and neurotic behavior. Oh, that's wicked. The essay is called Too Full to Fuck. <laughs> and uh, okay. I did read it and uh, it's a weird read. It's basically her talking about how when uh, she is dating or, you know, if she meets a new guy and 
and she's sort of trying to impress him and, you know, suss out where the relationship's going to go and all that sort of stuff. One dilemma she constantly runs into is if she goes on a date, she absolutely loves food, but she always has to choose between eating a lot of food on a date and, you know, being full. But if she's too full, she can't have sex. So she's like, do I want to eat and feel satisfied or do I want to not eat as much and still feel hungry, time. but actually be horny enough to have sex? But, uh, you know, the sex could be bad, so it's a risk. So strange essay topic. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. No, 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 no. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, uh, if you read the comments, um, we'll post a link to the essay so you can read it for yourself. The the comments aren't very kind. Oh. A lot of them are saying that it's just a load of shit. Yeah. Poorly written. You know, who sort of green lit this book? You know, she's just a daughter of a rich person. If this was anyone else writing it, no one would have cared. I didn't find it too bad. I thought it was funny. Well, there's probably a market for it. Yeah. And being Larry David's daughter, whether she's being her true self or just sort of continuing the Larry David brand of comedy, I don't know. But I think it's pretty good, especially for her first sort of like major written work. She's only 25, 26. Yeah. You know, she's she's a rookie at it. So, you know, I can see a lot of promise. But well, uh, good luck to her. Yeah. Click the link, have a read and you decide. And, uh, you know, if you do have a read, let us know what you think. Yeah, please. Yeah. But a bit of an obscure one, but uh, worthwhile reporting, I think, because it's because it's weird. It certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> Probably one of the weirdest ones you've done. I think so. I think so. Yeah. And that's all the Seinfeld news for the week. Very good, buddy. Let's have a quick break. And when we come back, we are talking about the third episode of season six, The Pledge Drive. And it's very interesting secondary characters. Hi, this is Zach and Aaron from Seinfeld Law. And uh, you are listening to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. The Pledge Drive from Season 6, Episode 3, first aired in the US on October 6th, 1994. Directed by Andy Ackerman and written by Tom Gamble and Max Prost. In this episode, Jerry hosts the annual PBS Pledge Drive and asks George to get some of the Yankee players to appear on the show. George comes through and gets Tanny Tartable to appear. Kramer discovers that Jerry has been getting some birthday cards from his Nana with money inside or checks. Nana is played by Billy Ree Wallace. He cashes them in and suddenly Nana's bank account is overdrawn. Nana then goes missing. Jerry gets in trouble with Elaine's friends, one of whom has an unusually high voice, when Elaine starts a rumour that the wife, or the girlfriend rather, was hitting on Jerry. George thinks everybody is giving him the finger and decides to follow one offender while driving Danny Tartable to the pledge drive. Kramer volunteers to become a phone answerer for PBS and Elaine discovers that Mr. Pitt, played by Ian Ampagrobney, eats his candy bars with a knife and fork, starting a very unusual trend in New York. And man, there's so many moving parts in this episode. Yeah, and it all comes together quite nicely at the end. Yeah, and really nice flow. I really enjoyed it. Other secondary characters in the episode. Hello, Len Lesser, Uncle Leo. He makes an appearance. Kelly Caulfield-Park plays Noreen in her first of two appearances on the show. Rebecca Starb plays Kristen, the PBS volunteer. Brian Reddy plays This Is Dan. Tom Wright plays Mr. Morgan. He makes another appearance. And James Reynolds plays the chemical bank manager who deals with Nana. Now, some trivia for the episode, Steve. Couldn't find too many, but a couple of really juicy ones. What have you got? Uh, I've got that once the filming was completed, uh, the actor Brian Reddy, who played Dan, uh, they weren't too happy with his uh, performance as a high talker. So they actually wiped the audio and redubbed it with a voice actor. And uh, I don't think they did a very good job because it's very easy to tell that uh, he's miming. I, I think maybe mm. they just didn't have enough time or enough yeah. budget. It just seems very slapped together. And considering the production quality of Seinfeld at this stage, season six, you know, the absolute peak of the show in terms of popularity and impact, it seems underwhelming. I have a feeling like that you're right. I think that maybe they did try and do it with Brian Reddy and then they probably were about to shoot it, you know, and they were all do post-production. They're like, oh shit, this doesn't work. Yeah. So probably in post-production, they got someone to come in and do the, the lines. Yeah, but I mean, even with, you know, their connections and their, their casting options and their budget, you think, I mean, the voice sounds good, but just the, the actual... The uh, pitch. 
you know, the lining up the audio with mm. his mouth movements. Yeah, it's it just a bit it off. looks a bit off. Yeah, it does. I look, I think it was probably time constraints. Probably yeah, yes. I wouldn't put it down to money because you're right. By then, Seinfeld was a juggernaut. Yeah, do whatever it wanted. That's true. Yeah, very true. And funnily enough, legend has it that it's actually the actress who plays Noreen Kelly Caulfield Park who does the voice. Uh, but no, it wasn't. It was just another voice actress with a higher pitch because apparently they did try and use her voice, but she didn't quite get that pitch that they wanted. Yeah, it's yeah. quite it's quite um piercing. Yeah, quite piercing. Very noticeable. Yeah. yeah, I love this one. One day after the episode first. Ed, Ian Abercrombie, who plays Mr. Pitt, uh, he was having lunch in a restaurant in LA and he was waiting for his coffee and the waiter put a plate with a Snickers bar on his table and apparently the whole restaurant was in on the joke. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah, and apparently um, after that he realised that, you know, Seinfeld was what it was, the the, the yeah. cultural juggernaut. You know, sometimes when you're involved in something, you're aware that it's popular, obviously, but you don't really understand the impact that it's happening. Uh, happening. Hap- happening, yeah. Happening. Happening on Twitty. That is, <laughs> happening on Twitty. <laughs> we just come up with a new word. Yeah, well, it's happening and having at the same time. It is. On on Face Twitty. God, Oxford will love you. Yeah. <laughs> we can't keep up. Collins All these Australia. new words. <laughs> They'd be getting calls from Oxford and Collins and Webster and everything. Yeah. 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 Yep, making up words. That's right. Another cool thing about uh, Ian Abercrombie and his eating of Snickers is apparently it took him four Snickers bars. He, he actually ate four Snickers bars uh, when he was filming that scene with a knife and fork. And if you actually notice it, I think I was listening to the Signcast episode for this episode. Cool. They pointed it out and I did I, when I watched it, after I listened to it, I noticed that you when he takes when Elaine's on the phone and uh, Ian's sort of in the background, half paying attention, but he's taking the Snickers bar out of his jacket pocket. He drops it and he does the quick catch before he pulls it. You know, he undoes a wrapper and, and pulls it out. But just good sort of acting in the moment of you know he could have dropped it and it would have sort of disturbed the whole scene and they yeah, would have had to, to retake it. it yeah. yeah, but he grabbed it and just went with it. Lovely. I love that. Yeah, that's that, that's a testament to his acting abilities. Yeah, and it yeah. just it just sort of those it, little accidents sort of make it a bit more realistic because you know people do that they pick up something and they yeah. it slips and they quickly catch it and, and continue on with whatever they're doing. Yeah, because sometimes it's just those moments which are unexpected when yeah. you're filming. Sometimes they make them just, just that scene just extra special. Yeah, and I mean, it's not even a huge thing. It's not yeah. like a huge embellishment or a huge addition, but when you notice it, it just adds a tiny bit of reality to it. It does, yeah. You know, it's extremely subtle but effective. Exactly. Yeah, that's all the trivia I have, bud. What about you? Look, I've got a few other things, but they're not very notable, so uh, I'll just skip them. Okay, cool. Let's jump into some secondary characters from the Pledge Drive, eh? Sounds good. Let's talk about Noreen. Noreen? Oh, wait, wrong name. <laughs> That's Jolene, my mistake. Noreen, she is played by Kelly Caulfield Park. She's known for appearing in the films Scary Movie, Jerry Maguire, and Bride Wars. Uh, she was also a regular in comedy series In Living Colour. Ah. Yeah, she was nominated for several awards for be- the cast. I believe her and Jim Carrey were the only white cast members of In Living Colour. Because okay. it was mostly African Americans. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the Wayans brothers, right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah, them and sort of all their comedy mates. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, she was quite prominent on that show. Ah. Very cool. She also appears for the second and final time in the next episode in the series The Chinese Woman which we've done quite a while ago Yep. Um, so check that one out uh, when we spoke about her in The Chinese Woman we talked about the fact that Elaine kind of has like a hold on her in a sense mm. and she's very dependent on Elaine to go through life Yep. and she's very insecure and she you know Jerry says one time you, you made her go to the army you know you suggested the army and Noreen went Yeah. and then you know Kramer tells says to Elaine that Noreen's going to go in the army and then Kramer supposedly gets her pregnant and yeah. you know that storyline never goes anywhere and we never hear from Noreen again uh, so a lot of things like she's not as prominent in this episode but she in the Chinese woman she is more prominent but we do see wisps of the lady that she'll become in the Chinese woman 
moment. Yeah, when she's sitting down uh, and having lunch, or for her, a cookie with a knife and fork with Elaine, uh, and Elaine uh, says to her that Dan sounds like a woman. As soon as Elaine says that, you know, uh, she's a bit bothered by it. She's like, oh, well, I'm going out with a man who sounds like a woman. And you can already see the cogs turning in her mind that she's yeah. going to break up with him. It's been bothering her for a long time. Yeah, well, I don't think she realises. I, I mean, yeah, I don't think she realises before then that Dan sounds like a woman but you know deciding to break up with someone or even considering breaking up with someone usually takes a bit of time you it know does. things have to build up yeah. you know you have and you try and work through a problem or think about it but she's already f- trying to sort of move on from Dan from that conversation and it's immediate so i think that's yeah that's an example of Elaine having sort of this disproportionate influence over her where Elaine just sort of makes a comment and she doesn't say to break up with Dan she just sort of says it as a you know, as part of the story, because that's why she was confused. Yeah. You know, but then she's already saying, "Oh, that Elaine, uh, that Jerry, he's he's sort of a baritone, isn't he?" And and then she becomes mm-hmm. interested in the mistaken flirtation. Yeah. So yeah, Elaine says she's just got this power over her. Uh, yeah, yeah, she does. She does. Actually, Noreen, I feel like with I guess you could say the tertiary characters on the show, she probably has one of the more emotional story arcs. You know, she yeah. almost attempts suicide in the end of the Chinese woman, and she doesn't know where she wants to be in life. And yeah, you know, she's, she's very insecure. She's very dependent on people. Like Elaine to get their, you know, opinions on stuff. Yeah, I mean, she just seems like a very lost person who needs constant reassurance, constant guidance. She doesn't trust her own instincts. She probably second guesses her own decisions and any form of... I mean, Elaine's not even being mean about no. uh, Dan's voice. No. She's just sort of stating it in a factual way. And Elaine, you know, is a good friend and when she realises that it, she's sort of upset or confused Noreen, she tries to take it back and she's like, oh, well, he's bald. You know, he belches a lot. Like, <laughs> you know, trying to, trying to give her reasons to see him as a man again. Again, mm-hmm. despite his high voice you know Elaine's trying to be the good friend and and, and reassuring her but Noreen's already just confused she's like yeah. oh my god like you know he, he's got a high-pitched voice do I want him am I attracted to him mm. so yeah she's just constantly unsure about herself her decisions yeah. others in her life everything just seems sort of you know on the on the precipice of her deciding to not be part of it anymore yeah she just seems so insecure and, and very unsure as to what she wants to do yeah in any aspect relationships yeah finances anything yeah and I mean you know like uh, we said in the Chinese woman, Elaine does have a strong hold over her and a lot of uh, influence, but Kramer does as well. You know, Kramer just says, okay, well, I will take you under my wing and I will be your guide. Yeah, yeah. So she's just seeking that. Maybe in her childhood or something traumatic happened where she just has no zero confidence in anything she thinks, big or small. You yeah. know, it could be a small decision or a huge life-changing decision. She just doesn't have any self-assurance at all at all no, nothing no but but we like i said we do see that more in the chinese woman yeah which we have already done an episode on but i get what you mean you still see that you still see what she will become yeah and you can still see that insecurity yeah regarding the flirtation with jerry obviously like it's implied that she didn't mean to flirt with jerry mm. you know and jerry seems very full of himself as well he's like well you know jerry just like he seems really full of full of it and saying, oh, Noreen did flirt with me. And, you know, why would I make it up? Why would I pick someone like Noreen? Mm. So he already thinks very little of Noreen, yeah. very little of her. I feel like she was probably really flattered about the thought that Jerry, you know, yeah. you know, hit on her or, you know, flirted with her, supposedly. I, th- I feel like she was probably like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, if, if we're assuming that she, well, I mean, we're not assuming. We know that she doesn't have a lot of self-esteem. So even if it's a mistake on Jerry's part, the fact that he would even think that she would flirt with him mm. is a little shot of confidence. Yeah, and, yeah, something and, that know, she needs. Yeah, and, and you can see her going, oh, so Jerry thought I flirted with him. You know, mm. she's already ruminating on that as soon as she realizes that maybe she's not as attractive to Dan anymore because of the high voice. And even the line um, that they say in Monks, like you said, oh, Jerry's a baritone, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Maybe she's starting to think, oh, maybe Jerry's keen. Yeah, because she does a complete 180. Yeah. 
you know, she's okay with Dan and who he is. She didn't realize that he had a high voice and that he sounded like a woman. But as soon as Elaine said it, she's already going, oh, do I want to be with him? No. And then she just immediately considers Jerry. And then she's turned on by the deeper voice. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably likes so it more. Maybe it just occurred to me, you know, deeper voices tend to be more authoritative. Maybe she can't be with a high-pitched person because she needs that direction. She needs that authority. <laughs> maybe. You know, maybe maybe she thinks, Dan, no, I can't I can't respect him. No, no. He, you know, whereas Jerry, he's got a, I mean, Jerry doesn't have an, an especially deep voice, but you know, he's someone I can be attracted to and he's you know deep deeper voices mean more confidence <laughs> I have to be a sub in basically every aspect of my life could be could be <laughs> yeah, I mean I can't pe- be the dom. people are you know I've known a lot of women and some men to say that they find a very deep voice attractive yeah, yeah. Um, you know there is this sort of author- this natural authority and power to it so, you know, could be something along those lines, maybe. Maybe that's why my fiancé got with me. <laughs> my True. deep voice. Uh, amongst many reasons, oh, yeah. Ivan. Oh, yeah. baby. Very <laughs> one. Yeah. I love the sexy slither of a female snake. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> Rest in peace, Mr. White. Yeah. But yes. Um, Welcome, Larry White. My name's Barry. <laughs> no, it says here, Larry White. I think I know my own name. That's <laughs> <laughs> spot on. <laughs> love it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, with Noreen, yeah, very um, dark kind of, well, take a dark turn in the Chinese woman but yeah just very insecure and uh, I, I, I liked her character arc over the two episodes yeah 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 she's sort of a, a bit of a like an underdog secondary character she is when you think of you know great secondary characters she's I don't think she would come to anyone's mind she's very underrated yeah I but, but yeah. when you watch this epi- episode in the Chinese woman she's a she's a very notable secondary character she is not just because of her darker than most secondary character storyline but just I guess who she is mm. yeah it's cool she's really good yeah she's really good and uh, like we said we have done the Chinese woman probably three, four months ago. So go back into our feed and uh, you'll find it. Do you have any other notes on Noreen? No, but let's talk about Dan while we're there. Uh, He's played by Brian Reddy. He's appeared in the films Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and Dante's Peak. Uh, Just like Noreen, we have already done an episode where we have spoken about him in our What's the Deal with the Talkers episode. uh, He was one of the (laughs) many talkers that we spoke about, but that was quite a while ago. So, I mean, with Dan, he is extremely jealous. Yeah. You know, he he says, oh, Jerry hit on her or flirted with, with Noreen, my partner. Like, what the hell? What's going on? So he's very defensive, very yeah. feisty. Yeah, and he also doesn't believe Noreen. You know, Noreen off screen has told him, Jerry wasn't flirting with me. There's no threat. There's nothing to worry about. Yeah, but he, yeah. he even says he comes to the PBS studio, knocks on uh, Jerry's his uh, dressing room door. Dressing room. I was like, locker room? Dressing yeah. room. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Dan would probably throw him into a locker yeah. <laughs> if he was a tough guy. And he even says to Kramer, you know, I just can't let it go. Like, he's, no, he's just on my mind. I can't stop thinking about him, but yeah. not in the way you think. No, yeah. not in the way that Kramer thinks. No, not the way that Kramer thinks. <laughs> I love when he goes, well, we have many channels to suit you, many TV programs on PBS yeah. to suit your lifestyle. Yeah. And Dan, it's just going, what are you talking about? He has no idea. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I would assume that, I'm not sure if we mentioned this or if I mentioned this uh, in the Talkers episode, but I would assume that maybe the high voice has gotten him into, not trouble, but has caused problems before. Probably, especially maybe during his teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so when his voice, even though, you know, again, Noreen said that Jerry's not a threat, doesn't have to worry about it. You know, I think it brings up some old insecurities about his voice. You know, maybe women have told him, look, I like you, but I just can't get past your high-pitched voice. I don't Mm. find it attractive. I'm not sure. But yeah, it just feels like he has been down this path before. He has. You know, where his voice or a complication related to his voice, something to do with his voice has put, even if it wasn't real, but has put the idea in his mind that his relationship is under threat. Yeah. uh, Yeah. and, you know, he feels less masculine, less masculine and to 
to sort of compensate for that, he needs to be really aggressive and really, really inappropriate towards the guy, you know, that he feels threatened by, even if there's no threat like Jerry. He does. That's true. Uh, he also belches a lot too. He does. You know, and he's bald. <laughs> and he's you know? bald. Yeah. So there you go. He's kind of manly. I reckon he's probably like, you know, a real manly dude. Yeah. But I think the only feminine aspect to him is probably his voice. That's I think it. so. Yeah. 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 I think he's just like, a, he's almost like maybe. A regular guy. He goes to the, the bar, you know, gets yeah. beers. I reckon he's just like a, yeah. a bread and butter blue collar yeah. dude. Maybe like George Costanza without the sort of lying yeah, and then, you know, yeah. just like an honest George. You know, George Costanza like sports. Yeah, and you know, just sort of basic stuff, everyday stuff, without the lying, but with the boldness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone told me once that like the best sort of representation of that blue collar everyman, especially in America, is Marty Crane, Frazier and Nasdaq in in Frazier. Sure. You know, he's he's honest. He's a good man. He's not a sort of a high concept guy, but he's still got some wisdom and you know life experience under his belt. So he can sort of he's not dumb, but he's not highfalutin either. Hmm. So yeah, maybe more like that, but with a, a higher pitch voice. With a high pitch voice <laughs> most probably but yes yeah, so we have spoken about him like i said in what's the deal with the talkers so go back and whatever we said no uh, i guess that's what we said about him then yeah so yeah there you go. don't know if we offered any additional thoughts then or if we've just repeated ourselves but it's been a few years so yeah. we'll excuse ourselves it's all good indeed and this is the only episode that he's in i believe that's right that's right anyway next character who are we talking about uh why don't we talk about Kristen? Kristen, played by rebecca starb she's appeared in tv shows including nip tuck csi Matt Luck and Columbo. Uh, she's a PBS volunteer. I feel like she's probably more than a volunteer, though. I think she's probably like, I, I put her down as maybe the fundraising coordinator. So maybe yeah, she's she, the one who organizes the pledge drives and donations because she's the one who, who organizes the telethon as yeah, well. Like she does, pulls the strings, organizes guests. Yeah, she seems like, you know, production manager or event coordinator or something like that. Like she yeah. seems to be bringing it all together. Bring it all together. Know, and she's yeah. on the ground. She's organizing the guests. She, you know, she's obviously overseeing the script. You know, Jerry's rehearsing at his apartment you know and he's sort of doing it for her so she yeah I, I think she would be like you said the project manager event coordinator some sort of supervisory role where she's sort of bringing it all together so yeah. that on the day it executes well and there's no problems and you know they can have a smooth event obviously mm-hmm. she couldn't have foreseen Uncle Leo no but uh, she seems very good at her job very, she seems yeah. you know yeah. she 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 knows what she's doing I imagine that she's been at PBS for a while I think I, so too I, I yeah. do know that PBS do run a lot of fundraising events it was sort of a, a staple of their programming in the 80s and 90s and even maybe the noughties uh, of doing these sort of tele- telephone fundraisers. So, yeah, and I reckon, you know, she probably, maybe she did start there as a volunteer. You know, maybe she yeah. was just on the phone and she eventually got it, you know, she did it like an internship or mm. she volunteered there regularly because she seems to know PBS really, really well. She does, yeah, because I, I used to be involved in community radio and it was that kind of thing. Like, you'd probably yeah. start off with doing like maybe your own show or yep. you'd be involved in a show and then, you know, you might move on to become part of like the committee and then you make changes or you organize things like telethons and fundraising events and other kind of events and PR and stuff for the radio station so I guess it's very similar in that kind of way yeah I got the feeling as well that she had maybe a bit of a crush on Jerry or that I, she wanted a bit more because when Jerry was yeah, rehearsing yeah. his his lines you see her on his uh, bedside uh, on his uh, not bedside table no, uh, on his bar stool <laughs> they haven't gone to that room yet no I don't think. they could have but uh, Jerry yeah. cooked it she's really like smiling and yeah. she, she's just enjoying she being likes there him, yeah. and I don't think you know I imagine she would interact with like a lot of celebrities to, to, to make sure that they're okay with you know what they're saying on TV and stuff but I don't think it would be a case of her going over to their individual 
houses to run through lines with them. I don't believe so. You know, no. I think it's I think probably, I think she yeah. wanted something a bit more personal with Jerry. Yeah, you don't. That's the thing. I mean, you don't go to someone's place to do like a script reading or something. No, you, you know? would tell them to come to the studio. You it's come like, to the studio. Is, this is a professional and, environment, and especially these days with yeah. Me Too and shit, you probably want another couple of people there. Yeah. As well, you wouldn't want to be alone if you're a woman. You wouldn't want to be alone with a dude. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Unless you're confident. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just I just think it would be a bit. You know, you would have it in a neutral location. You would. Yeah. You know, even if it's just a, a lighthearted, like, hey, I just want to run through the lines. Let's just take 10 minutes. Yeah. The fact that she went to his house, I think, indicates that she wants something a bit more. And yeah. just her body language and her facial expressions. And they do have, like, a tiny bit of banter before mm. she realizes that. And even the fact that she gave him a card, yeah. like a card thanking him for doing something before yeah, he did it. Yeah. Like, that's usually it would send a thank you card, like, thank you so much that's, for doing it after, not before. Unlike with Noreen, she's definitely hitting on Jerry. Yeah. For sure. I feel like in that scene where they're rehearsing, I feel like if she didn't see the gift card in the bin i reckon they probably would have got together uh yeah I, it could have it could have or or at least you know she would have said Do you want to go out sometime or something yeah it but would, I have, think it would what, have gone to yeah, the next step next level i think what killed it though like what killed her her fascination with jerry is the card yeah. I reckon once the card was there she suddenly you know in in the scene at the pbs dressing room she's more professional yep yeah so basically she's dropped the entire romantic flirtatious yeah she's just very like yep. you know where's uh where's danny tartable danny tartable yeah you know this man is coming here to see you she's yeah she's more professional she's more just like formal yeah, yeah exactly Gary, yeah yeah That's it. i mean it would make sense even if even if the card situation hadn't have occurred i can imagine it being more professional during the event anyway because she's you yeah know, she's doing her job but i think you're right in that mm. her change of tone and approach and body language is because she's just the card uh being thrown out just sort of killed any attraction to yep. to jerry i mean she says you know you're not sentimental yeah i think she really doesn't like that about jerry yep. you know she kind of sees like uh he's he's sort of maybe shallow i don't know yeah she um, made a good move a wise decision yeah she's obviously <laughs> quite perceptive to to extrapolate him throwing out a card into you know, I mean, fair enough being mildly offended at that, especially when you've given a card and you'd like the person to be, you know, it's a bit of a slap in the face. It is, yeah. But I think she sees that as a sign of like who he is. It's it's indicative yeah. of something more. Indeed. And but she's I, just, yeah. her instincts are strong enough to go, nah, maybe not. But like I said, the gift card in the trash, yeah. that's what you'll yeah. yeah. I mean, Jerry... He wasn't very nice to her when no, he's like, when no. he's like, you know, I kept these cards from my grandmother. Look, you know, I am <laughs> sentimental. And she's like, that's salt in the wound. Like you're yeah, showing yeah. me, I, I saw that you didn't keep my card and you're showing me that you keep cards that aren't mine. That it's, aren't mine. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's... Jerry yeah. couldn't read the room. No. <laughs> well, I couldn't tell if he was interested in her either. I mean, he was very nice to her. Yeah. But I couldn't tell if it was reciprocated. So I reckon if he was interested in her as much as she is in him, he would have, you know, Jerry's good with women. He knows how yeah. to be charming and he knows how to be, he knows how to flirt when mm. he can, when it's happening. So I reckon if he was interested in her as much as she, him, I, I don't think he would have done the, you know. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, well, one thing that came to mind, I feel like Jerry was so enamored by the concept of Noreen flirting with him. Mm. And Jerry is just so, you know, immature and selfish. He probably focused all of his thoughts on Noreen. True. And maybe he doesn't have the capacity to think of like two women at the same time. Mm. You know, so he's probably like thinking about, oh, Noreen flirted with me, flirted with me. And he, you know, he strikes his ego and stuff. And then Kirsten, who's, Kristen rather, who's there and really likes him. He doesn't really yeah. have the capacity to just see her yeah. as well so i feel like you can't clock both you can't clock both that's it i mm. feel like if noreen wasn't in the picture him and kirsten yeah her and kirsten would have been in the bedroom you know a minute later yeah 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 that would have happened could have yeah so yeah so noreen in a way kind of cock blocked him well he cock blocked himself Suck. by throwing a card in a bin that too you know, he, yeah. yeah noreen or no noreen he fucked it up himself. he didn't just block he just like cut the whole thing off he did generals yeah well, everything i think so he did a yeah. full he unicked himself he did unique himself <laughs> and the rest <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he did any other notes on kristen no that's it all right who we're talking 
talking about? Uh, why don't we talk about Nana? Nana, yes, she is played by Billy Ray Wallace. She's appeared at a, as a guest in other TV shows such as ER, Murphy Brown, 90210 and Mad About You. She passed away at aged 73 in 1999 in Los Angeles. She does appear two more times in season six in the episodes of The Kiss Hello, which we've done, and The Doodle, which we haven't done yet. So uh, she does appear in there. Leo says to Jerry when she's missing that uh, she hasn't left her apartment in 25 years. I feel like she's either just a recluse, mm. you know, she doesn't like going out, uh, you know, being in contact with people, or I feel like maybe she's widowed and maybe her husband died 25 years ago and she's kind of lost the zest for living. You yeah. know, maybe she's, I don't know people personally like that, but there's stories of people who may have, you know, they've been married for like 30, 40, 50 years, they lose their spouse and then suddenly everything they, they used to do just becomes nothing yep. and then they just want to be alone. Yeah. They just become like a shell yep. of their selves. So yeah, she's either just like an, like an introverted recluse naturally or she's become that as a result of the death of uh, Jerry's grandfather or her husband. I interpreted Leo's comment about her not leaving the apartment in 25 years as sort of his shit talking because he does he does do oh, it. Oh, he does he do- talk he, shit though. Yeah. Sometimes he doesn't he's not like a pathological liar like George That's but he exaggerates true. a bit yeah. and he kind of just makes up white lies. Like uh, we have mentioned that about him before. You yeah, know, right. yeah, like when he runs into Jerry and, and he's like it's okay. I've got lo- and yeah. it's like Leo doesn't know anyone in yeah, show business. Yeah, this is this is the early stages of like his senility. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I imagine saying that though, I don't think that she's a, a you know, a social creature. I think no. that she's got a lot of fear. She, she kind of seems like she's out of touch with the world. She's extremely risk averse. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and she's very very like anxious and fearful, but I think she would go out maybe on her own or maybe with I mean Leo takes her out I think Leo cares like does most of the well he said I can't remember exactly what he said but he said something about taking her for an, an appointment or something yeah yeah so I think it, Leo probably well they may not live together I don't think but I think Leo cares you know provides yeah. care for her well yeah. Leo you know Leo and uh, Helen are her kids mm. and Helen lives in Florida so That's Leo right. By default, I mean, you know, there may be a third kid somewhere, but uh, if they're the only kids that she has, Leo's kind of the default caretaker. That's right. Especially for, you know, taking it to the bank and her medical appointments and whatever else, yeah. shop, shopping and stuff. That's right. Um, but yeah, I don't think that she's been trapped in her, well, not trapped, but I don't think she no, hasn't I, left her apartment I don't for mean, 25 years. No, no, I don't mean seeing, she hasn't seen anything other than the four walls for the yeah. last 25 years. I mean, like, she probably just done, gone to, out to do essential things. Yeah. I, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I don't think she'll go out just for fun or for like a social No, no, that's what I mean. Whatever, but yeah. But whether she was always like that or whether she lost the zest for life because her yeah. husband passed. Who knows? Yeah. 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 But she she just seems very fearful and cautious of the outside world. She does, yeah. And a bit out of touch with, you know, she thinks that it's still 1963 and that when the bank manager calls you to tell you about a problem, that isn't even really a big deal. It's just more like a, hey, your, your account's overdrawn. She's very, she's like, oh dear. Yeah. And she goes, I'll come there first thing in the morning. And as she's hanging up, you hear the bank manager go, we can, we can just sort it, sort it out over the phone. We can sort it so, out over the phone. Yeah. yeah so yeah. she's not aware of maybe modern ways of dealing with things like that yeah, yeah. you know where it would just be a five minute conversation but you know and that's she's kind of stuck in you know that older style older of doing, style, that stuff. Yeah, doing that stuff I feel like I think she's it's really cute in the fact that she still gives Jerry $10 checks yeah. even though he's like in his 30s yeah she probably thinks that Jerry's still just a little boy yeah you know to, you know, he's just always like the kid yeah and $10 you know even though he's a grown man he's earning hundreds of dollars a week yeah maybe thousands oh, by that he point. does very well as Do, a doing very well in, in, in that part of uh, Seinfeld yeah I feel like yeah she still thinks oh he's just a little boy $10 you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's still a substantial amount of money. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, for a fight for an eight-year-old or something, ten bucks. Oh yeah. You know, in the seventies or the eighties, would have been wow. That's I'm rich. I'm rich. I've won the lotto. But yeah, yeah, yeah. ten dollars. I mean, Jerry just. You know, he doesn't bother. He's, doesn't. I mean, Kramer's like, why don't you why don't you cash these? And he's like, it's $10. Why would it's I bother? It's a slap in the face. <laughs> yeah, it's tantamount to a slap <laughs> in the face. a slap in the face. 
<laughs> and I love when Kramer backtracks at the yeah. later scene and says, oh, your, your grandma's been going around throwing bounce and bouncing, uh, you know, false checks. Yeah. And, and now she's you know, messed, messed she's, with the wrong people. She's pissed the wrong people pissed off. The wrong people off. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Kramer's love just it. not willing to cop to his dumb idea of cashing a bunch of $10 checks. That's right. <laughs> yeah. One scene I did like with Nana was uh, when she's trying to find the chemical bank branch and that thug comes out of nowhere. Oh, and he looks and like, he's like he's about to Yeah, he's like, you yeah, looking yeah. for something, lady? And she's a bit, you know, oh, who's this guy? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. And then out of nowhere, he just becomes his friendly. He's like, what you want to do is go down to 49th Street and uh, that's the main customer service branch. And you want to ask for Mr. Peterson. Mr. You know, Fleming. Mr. Mr. Fleming. Fleming. He'll help you out. And then she's like, she looks a bit confused and then he's just like, he kind of has a smile on his face and just walks off. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He's got this really intimidating, even the music changes. It does. It's got this really intimidating tone and then he just snaps and becomes this friendly guy. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a nice scene. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, a nice yeah. little misdirect. A little misdirect and good on the thug. You know, he probably looks like a thug, but he's probably a decent man. Yeah. When uh, when she goes, isn't uh, isn't the chemical branch, uh, the chemical bank on this block? And he just goes, it burned. He's <laughs> <laughs> kind of got this loco, yeah, you know, yeah, crazy yeah. vibe. And then he's just like, what do you want to do is you want to go down to 49th <laughs> yeah, Street? Right. It becomes more pleasant. <laughs> yeah. Civil. yeah. Just complete 180. Love it. Yeah, it's a good scene. Yeah, it is. Uh, do you have anything else about Nana? No. What, uh, we've got a few other characters, I think, to go through, right? Yeah. Look, I don't have a lot on the others. I do have a couple of notes on Danny Tartable. Yeah, yeah, cool. I think he was... I didn't check his bio or anything, but yeah, he was a real-life New York Yankees player. I think he was a batter, yeah. I believe. Yeah, I think he was quite a, a well-known baseball player. He looks like a tough dude. Yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But he's, he's very chill and very passive. He is. You know, he seems to just go along with whatever George wants to do yeah he, you he know does. he doesn't object to george saying you know we're going to follow this guy because he flipped me off he's just like all right he's and, probably uh, completely unaware of what the office at the new york yankees is like mm. he's probably just on the field and he speaks to the coaches but he knows nothing about management yeah. to him george is like really high up and he's like i better pay respect true even though if he knew what george was like he'd be like oh this guy's an idiot yeah that's true yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. i think and george you know george is probably lying but george says that he helped danny with his batting mm. you know it's probably bullshit yeah he probably just said a couple of things and danny's like yeah no worries What's the episode where George is really smart? Oh, the abstinence. Is that before or after this? After. Oh, okay. Like season eight. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and he's, he's like batting and he gets every one and there's those two All players. physics. Yeah. Oh, we can make the World Series. Yeah. Six games. <laughs> Six games. <laughs> Six games. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, you know, even though George probably lied about helping Danny Tartable with his swing, two seasons later he does. He does. <laughs> they win the World Series. Yeah. He just he just needs to decide to stop thinking about sex. Yes. And then in season eight, it's the millennium. George tries to get fired and uh, he's got the World Series trophy. And he drags along the parking lot in his car. Mm. <laughs> so there you go. Not a smart decision. Not a smart decision. Yeah. Yeah, but just it, it's just funny that Danny, you know, like you said, he's such a big guy, and uh, you know, he, you you would assume that a star baseball player would just have like a lot of confidence and be quite self assured. But he's not weak, but he's just very just happy to go along with everything. Yeah. He's just like, okay, George. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay, Mister Costanza. But like I said, I feel like because he doesn't know who the managers yeah, are, yeah, and their yeah. personalities, he's probably thinks, oh, he's management. I better yeah. be respectful. Yeah, yeah. I do like who's like, you want to you need that last donut, and he sits there and eats. With the knife and fork yeah, and George yeah, yeah. just looks over at him like George started a trend at the Yankees yeah went to him and then Mr. Morgan yep and then probably maybe one of the coaches came in and saw Mr. Morgan eat yep. like that and then the coach you know in the locker room was eating a snack or maybe on the bleachers when they were playing a game yeah and then, or a training session or something yeah and then Danny saw it and was like oh shit yeah okay. I like it 
It was all subtle. Like, no one said, what are you doing? They just look and go. Oh, yeah. Cool. They just look at it and go, that is a good idea. That's a good and idea. And they start doing it. Yeah, it is actually a good idea. Yeah. Yes. Do you have any notes about anyone else? No. I mean, we had others like Morgan and stuff. I mean, all I'm going to say with Morgan is he's usually he, he has complete disdain for George. Mm. Um, but in this one, he sees that George actually does something decent. Well, this is sort of early-ish in George's Yankees career. So I think he's yet to like see George. Oh, full, right. He's full, full like, of disdain. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. yeah. You know, like he's <laughs> he doesn't hate George because he hasn't had an right, opportunity. Right. It's only like a couple episodes. Indeed, yeah, like indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true, true. So, I mean, he does, you know, he sort of poo-poos George's idea about PBS. But when uh, George sort of condescends him and is like, what, how do you eat it? With your hands. With your hands. It sort of makes... It, it takes makes him it, back a bit. Yeah, it takes him back a bit and he kind of feels a bit defensive and is like, you know, maybe maybe Costanza's onto something here with yeah. the PBS thing. So I think he has some respect for George or just... It's either a mild amount of respect or just no disdain. Yeah. But uh, that changes very quickly. That's right. That's yeah. right. And, and, George, I, yeah. and George just continually, like, <laughs> fucks him over, you know, <laughs> and eventually gets him fired. Yeah, and then... And he gets divorced. Yeah. Yeah, and all that. Yeah, it, yeah. he costs him everything. Everything, basically his whole life. Yeah. Um, and also, I guess with our Uncle Leo, just quickly, I mean, we have done an episode of him mm. wants to deal with Uncle Leo. Yeah, cares for Nana. Yeah. Um, yeah, big talks, you know, talk shit and exaggerate stuff. And, uh, you know, he, he just jumps into the middle of the broadcast at PBS and just interrupts the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's normally a pest and he's being a pest. He's Even though pest, he's... Yeah. He's, uh, he's ruined know, the telethon for PBS. He's ruined the telethon, but his motivation is he's just trying to protect his mother. Yeah, that's you know, all it is. But he, he's a bit too sort of lumbering to realize that hey maybe there's a way that you know maybe i can just tell her to cancel the check maybe i don't need to interrupt on live tv <laughs> no. and stop a whole telethon i can just call nana after and be like uh you know that check you wrote for fifteen hundred dollars just just cancel he it. has to be dramatic yeah he has to be dramatic has to be yeah but he's just sort of a, a bumbling ignorant fool yeah like he is in most episodes yeah but but his motivation <laughs> is is nice his, his heart's in the right place yeah he's just taking care of his mum. yeah Good for him. Good for him. Anyone else? The only comment I wanted to make about the... He's credited as banker, but I guess he's oh, the bank manager. yes, yes. Was that he's just got a really smooth voice. I'm like, guessing hey. that's Mr. Fleming? No, because the... No, the no, no. Mr. Fleming. No, Mr. Fleming is the, the branch manager oh, the at manager. the main customer branch. Oh, sorry. This guy's just like the, the teller. Yeah, well, he's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. well, he's credited as banker, banker but, right, but he right, seems right. more like a bank manager. Bank manager, yeah. 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 I getcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just got like a really smooth voice and yeah, he's, he he's just a really, really good customer service person. He's just, you know, good at making Nana feel comfortable, you know, offers the phone. I was impressed by his customer service skills. Yeah, I feel like with Nana, he she probably liked Chemical Bank and yeah. probably Leo went yep. to another account. Yep. Maybe Leo wasn't happy with something. Yeah. Something ticked him off and he's like, that's it. We're going to another bank. Well, no, no. She stops banking there because the branch closes. Oh, sorry. The branch closed yeah. down. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And of that's why she's yes, confused. Yes, 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 yes. And that's what the street thug says. You know, you've got to get down to the main customer service yeah, branch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can still use Chemical Bank, but just this branch is gone. Yes, of you know, course. Go down sorry. to the main one. No, no, it's all good. I, I do that all the time. When I say something and you go, well, actually, <laughs> It's this other thing. And I'm once, like, oh, yeah. When the creative juices are flowing, you just sometimes it's, things just come out of nowhere. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's All hard good. to explain. All good. All good. Anyway, uh, that was the pledge drive, and I think we'll probably need a pledge drive soon. Mm. <laughs> Listeners are like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Anyway, let's take a really quick break, and when we come back, we are going to wrap up the episode, find out where the pledge drive sits in our 153 episodes we've reviewed so far, and if any of today's newest secondary characters make our top 20. Forgive me for trying to class up this place. <laughs> For trying to have the Yankees reach another strata of society that might not watch Channel 11. <laughs> uh, what the hell are you doing? I am eating my dessert. How do you eat it? With your hands? 
Now, Stephen, out of 153 episodes we have done so far, we're nearly at the end, my friend. Where does the pledge drive from season six sit for you? Uh, this one sits at number 21. 21. So just outside the top 20. I really like this episode. Me too, man. Number 17 for me. Nice. Cracker. Yep. Loved it. No, really good. Yeah. Uh, an underrated episode. It's never really considered up there with the classics. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah. It, it, and it doesn't have any transcendent top, top, top level Seinfeld stuff that everyone sort of knows, but it's all really, really good. You know, it's there's no, there's no, there's no low points there's no like eh, it's fine there's no filler it's just all really high quality and everything connects like for yeah. example with kirsten or Kristen rather in the gift card jerry shows the checks or the grandma uh, grandma's cards with the checks and then those checks lead on to another storyline yeah nana. and then the nana goes missing and then everything goes to shit at pbs i yeah. love how everything just so subtle is just linked together so well it's such great writing yeah, yeah. uh yeah sometimes when they try and have four concurrent storylines and bring it all together at the end sometimes it can be a bit sloppy or just yeah. underwritten or it just doesn't come together but this one is They've just nailed it. Yeah. And I mean, with George, he's got his own storyline, but George doesn't quite influence the PBS plot. Mm. Um, but he also, but he, you know, helps with the Snickers and eating yep. the desserts and the middle finger. Stuff. The middle finger, the works. Yeah. No, yeah. it's good. Yeah. No, I think we're on the same page. Yeah. Do any of the secondary characters appear in your top 20? No, but special mention to Noreen. I do feel like, I do like her storyline a lot mm. over the two episodes, this one and the Chinese woman. Uh, yeah, I think she's really underrated secondary, but uh, not quite in my 20. What yep. about you? Uh, no, but shout out to the Street Tough and also the uh, bank uh, manager. The, yes, the Street Tough and the banker. Yeah, yeah, they were both just, you know, they were in like one or, well, one scene each really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they were good. I like them. They were fantastic. But anyway, that was The Pledge Drive. Thank you so much for listening. We do love hearing from you. If you want to send us an email, bidwillbaskpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and Instagram at B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. We also have a Discord channel, but we haven't really used it for a while. So no. just find us on Discord. <laughs> we've also got a TikTok account, which we've never uh, used we either. haven't touched it. Whatever. I think there's this whole situation with TikTok in the US, you know, trying to ban it or something. Well, I don't no. That's the US. Yeah, but we got a lot of American listeners. Yeah, so well, that, if you that, use TikTok, fine. yeah, that kind of got forgotten about. I think Just so. like, there's so many other things going on. They're like, hey, what about that TikTok ban? TikTok's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we're, just, we're still going. We're, we're not going to say anything. Nah, we're not saying shit. But anyway, find us there. If you Someone need. in the American government hears this and they're like, hang on a minute, well, I forgot about the TikTok ban. <laughs> <laughs> they call up TikTok. They're like, we haven't forgotten about you. And yeah. they're like, damn you, but we'll ask. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, thought they'd forgotten about us. And then this Chinese company that owns TikTok just like gives us a DDoS attack or something, you know, kills our Facebook pages, oh, websites, yeah. does everything. They're gonna know. they're gonna DDoS something that no one reads anyway. <laughs> yeah. We'll take you offline. Okay. 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 <laughs> we took you offline for four hours. Didn't even notice. <laughs> Didn't even. We record once a week. Yeah. <laughs> four hours is fine. We're fine. We're good. <laughs> but yes, um, so yeah, you can do that. You can also support us financially on PayPal and Patreon. Patreon for a small monthly fee, you do get bonus content, including Curbcast and season eleven. There are a couple of bonus podcasts that we do and next week Stephen we are going to season 8 and we're doing the yada yada nice yes. classic episode a couple of cracking episodes before our Christmas break which we're looking forward to so uh, that's a good one too indeed indeed can't wait my name is Ivan and I'm Stephen we'll catch you next week for the yada yada take care of yourselves and each other during these very difficult times and we'll see you next week stop the show stop the show